unless it's like a recurring guest, then they'll know of our, our penchant for almost always bringing up a man's haircut in a movie. I was going to uh, say, like, that that would be the one typecast, I think, for you guys would yeah. be men's hair. Yeah, and uh, I watched Mad Max today, and, you know, I shed a little tear as they're cutting the locks off of his head in the beginning of that. It's like, no! <laughs> I have maybe shown up at someone's house like that before, not with a Snuggie, but... No, in my mind, it's a Snuggie. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think Megan's going to make that Snuggie happen. That's like, yeah. That's going to be like my goal. All these things that people are like, oh no, that could never be sexy. I'm going to... I guess you could like, you know, put it on backwards, like a coat. I guess that could happen. I suppose. But, I mean, I guess then it basically becomes a trench coat, so what's the point? But, you know, maybe just, you know, you like the fleece. It it's, feels nice against soft, your skin. It's, it's a little, warm. A little more cozy. Yeah. Yeah. It's nicer to like rub against than a trench coat. And you can get your favorite cartoon characters on it. So there you go. <laughs> win, you know win. that beige trench coat? Was it doing it for me? I wanted a My Little Pony, and so be it. <laughs> See, this is going to be the next thing. We're starting it right here. So, yeah, I guess I'll officially start the show that we've been chatting. That seems so necessary at this point, but if it makes you happy, we can do it. That's, that's how it does, yes. Yeah. So, um, obviously... I'll... Now that the four plays over with... Right. You should you should be very grateful. This is the the longest foreplay's ever gone on for me. Fifty minutes is a new personal record, and my girlfriend's never really into really this. Welcome to episode 32 of the Screams and Moans podcast, the podcast about movies and sex, but not together because that would be porn. This episode, I have with me Shane from War Machine vs. Warhorse. Hello. Uh, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I figured, you know, I've, I've had one of your other co-hosts on. It was about time I had you on the show as well. That that feels like the equivalent of like I've had one of you before. So I thought I would try the you know the next sample platter. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first one was so good that you know I figured perhaps. Oh no! Uh, so there's a high bar being set. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, um, I wasn't prepared little, for that. A little bit. Um, well, we did cover Antichrist. That's kind of an intense film. Okay, I, I think I can live up to that though. Like, I mean, that's yeah. a that's a rough uh, go round. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little, well, it's not that much less violent than the film that we covered today, but uh, we'll we'll get to that eventually. Uh, mm, yeah, we'll save that discussion for a few minutes because uh, I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, other than watching movies, uh, what have you been up to lately? Uh, I, I watch a lot of movies. Uh, other than that, uh, I play quite a few uh, on either online video games on PC or PS4. Uh, and then I'll, I try to keep up to date on some comic book 
books and television series, but there's not a lot of time for it if you listen to the number of episodes we put out. You guys definitely crank out quite a few episodes, like numerous ones a week at, at times, right? Uh, yeah, usually usually two a week. Uh, every now and then there will be like a third one worked in there. It just depends on how many we have backlogged or how frisky we're feeling. How many movies are out with good male hair dudes in them? That helps, you know. Uh, it never hurts, I guess I should say. It always hurts. Uh, I mean, yeah, it gets it gets a little, I guess, slim pickings during you know your winter months when you don't have the blockbusters and stuff rolling around. Like I know February in March were almost exclusively like indie releases for us which is nice but it gets harder to find the actual movie where we live in Kentucky and we don't get a lot of independent film releases oh, uh, so we that. yeah we have to rely on a lot on like studios giving us an early screener or something so we can actually watch it and talk about it uh, but other than that like with blockbuster season coming up, it should be a lot easier to kind of pick and choose what we're going to do as far as episodes go. Oh, nice. Yeah. I definitely had to chill out a bit and move down to one episode uh, a month. <laughs> you guys oh. are making me feel lazy, but uh, when it's a we're one really month... We make up for in quantity what we lack in quality. So, yeah. So I just... Not unlike, you know, sexual encounters. It's like, no, that one wasn't very good, but if we do it enough... Maybe you just won't think about it. <laughs> I'll be so busy yeah. <laughs> with it that I won't have time to reflect on yeah. the actual quality of the encounter. It's really just a distraction technique. You let us know how well it's working for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I still listen, so what does that say about me? Apparently we're doing something right, I hope. There we <laughs> go. Weep, <we>, nod, nod. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So... Um... Speaking of movies, though, um, yeah, obviously, I mean, you guys is is a mix of more kind of blockbuster mainstream, uh, where I do tend to kind of try to pick out the either more rare or cult films, and for this episode, I decided, you know, why not? I'll uh, pick out actually one of my favorite films, and that is Faster Pussycat Kill Kill by Russ Meyer. So, um, kind of classic exploitation flick for you this one. So hopefully that was alright, pulling you in on that one. Well, it was kind of mixed feelings at first, because I had agreed to do the episode knowing what the movie was, but not knowing how much you liked the movie. And it was like, I think the same day I agreed to do it, you put up a Facebook post like, I'm getting ready to rewatch my favorite movie of all time for like the 10th time. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, I didn't know how much she liked this one. And I have never seen this movie prior to this podcast. So, yeah, a lot of pressure. Like upon watching this, it was like, hmm, can I make fun of this or am I going to hurt her feelings? No. Uh, type of stuff. <laughs> you, you can definitely uh, make fun of it. I know, you know, I do try to every once in a while. There's a lot of movies that I... I enjoy, but there's a few that I keep going back to, and I don't go back to that many, so this tends to be one that, you know, every once in a while I do get the urge to kind of go back and watch it. It's, it's, I don't want to call it a complaint, but I guess it's one of the downsides to the type of podcast that we do, is that we revisit a lot of movies, and more often than not, it ends up kind of tarnishing, like, the memory you had of that movie. Uh, so like specifically stuff like The Running Man, 
that you know you grow up and you're eight years old and you watch that and that's fucking amazing right and then yeah. you're 30 and you go back and watch that and I'm like that is fucking terrible like the graphics and the special effects just do not hold up it's arnold in a spandex onesie for an hour and a half and that's it <laughs> uh, so it's i don't know it's it's kind of neat to be able to see some movies i had never seen uh stuff like chinatown and things of that nature but then when you kind of ruin those childhood memories it's like it's it's a little bit of a balancing act it's like is this worth it I mean, in the long run i think it is but it is one of the downsides i think when you revisit stuff yeah especially after so many years because yeah when you're when you're younger it can definitely um form a different view than when you come back years later um <laughs> fortunately uh this was not a movie i watched as a child and um <laughs> surely you jest <laughs> right this wasn't like the disney movie of your day uh no um you know lots of tits and ass and um murderous go-go dancers typically were not part of my childhood um i know minnesota's you know pretty liberal but i don't think they're uh, quite sounds pretty liberal. conservative from here uh i don't know Maybe just uh, Kentucky is a little more progressive in in what they choose to show their youngsters. Uh, now, of course, this this was my first viewing, uh, but I know my co-host Mike ended up watching The Vanishing when he was like eleven. His parents took him to the theater to see it, and yeah, we were watching like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction in like sixth grade at like slumber parties. It's like, it's like... <laughs> you guys are a little more hardcore than I was. <laughs> I think it was just a lack of supervision. Like, yeah, we just had more free range to work with. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I lost out because my parents cared what I was up to. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, good parenting, there's always a downside. Uh, yeah, just yeah. a sheltered childhood. It's okay. <laughs> it's the same as them, you know, always making it out that drugs and alcohol were going to be something that I would always do. So um, it really wasn't that rebellious to uh, go out and try very much because, well, you're probably going to do it. Just be safe. You know, don't do anything dumb. Call us. Which is, an, I guess, an interesting technique as a parent, though, because if you make it where it's not a rebellious act, like, you kind of take some of the fun out of it. It's like, well, I mean, I could, but they don't care. It's like, eh. Just go home and watch a movie. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. It just it it took a lot of that temptation away. Like I'm not gonna say I've not done anything, but I think it just wasn't as attractive to me because it was like, oh, well, well I, I can. Depending upon what you edit, I mean, people are gonna know some of the stuff you've done already from the previous discussion. Well, yeah, that's that's true as well. But yeah, for those of you who haven't seen Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Yeah, it is a classic exploitation type film. Um, Russ Meyer was uh, pretty much known for that that type and the way of shooting, you know, lots of um, tits and ass and curves and um, murder. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the setup to the whole story is that it's a group of three go-go dancers who also, you know, like to drive fast and live dangerously. Um, so you've got Varla, who I actually dressed up as on a Halloween, because she's badass, and she also has big tits. Um, and then we have Rosie and Billy. So those are the three uh, main characters of the film. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it starts out with a go-go dancer scene. You know, back in the day, I'm sure they were a little bit crazier. But... I don't know, I, th- I think this movie is, is one of those, it's a lot about context and the era with which it was released. Because, I mean, I, I read a little bit on it before I watched it, and, you know, you get the stuff like, this is right next to softcore porn, or like, this is the worst movie ever made. And, like, some of those same people go back 20 years later and be like, I love this movie. But, you know, it you know it came out, you know, early 60s, and I guess was very provocative for its time. Uh, but even then, like, and, and this is just, I guess, my personal issue when it gets into the exploitation films, be it sexploitation or, like, you know, rape and revenge, in that I kind of lump them all together and don't break them down into very specific genres. So, like, I'm going into this when I read about it being, you know, softcore porn, sexploitation, stuff like, like, I Spit on Your Grave and The Last House on the Left. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, I guess I'm prepared for this. Let's see where this takes us. And then you get into the movie, and there's literally no nudity. Like, there's some cleavage and tight clothes and... Allusion it, to them being nude, but not anything Yeah, like, directly. you get, like, you know, some back or, like, a shoulder and, like, very suggestive kind of positioning. But, like, I was prepared for, like, so much more in my mind that, like, I watched this last time, I don't see what the big hubbub is. Like, this is, this feels kind of tame. Oh, uh, so you psyched yourself which, up too much for it. Yeah, but I don't I think it was a good thing, though, because, like, I was so prepared for, like, kind of gratuitous sexuality that it gave me a little bit more of like a, I don't know, I guess like a realistic context. Like, yeah, I mean, they had tight shirts and they had cleavage and stuff. And for, was it 65 when this movie came out? Uh, 56. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, I get is, is provocative. Right. But like you watch this now when stuff like, you know, showgirls and striptease comes out and it's like, you know, not that bad, I guess. But, you know, it's pretty progressive in, I guess, the way they portray, especially the main character, the Varla character, as sort of androgynous, as, like, the man of the group. And, yeah. like, giving her that kind of strong female role where it's not a feminine role, but very kind of take charge. Right. And, you know, now that you say that about the era as well, it makes me think it had to be somewhat provocative as well because they insinuated that the Rosie character was in love with Varla. And that actually she was a lesbian who, you know, got really jealous, say, when Varla went out and started, you know, making out with, uh, I, I don't really want to call him one of the creepy dudes. He was the least creepy of them, but, um. Yeah, it was literally that lesser of three evils. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So very strongly on sex, but then also, um, I mean, alluding to it, um, and just kind of the theme, but. Yeah, also kind of that lesbian action as well, I imagine, wouldn't have been... Uh, I'm sure it'd be talked about back then, but I don't think it would have been as open back then. It was... I thought it was odd, though. They picked the, I guess, most feminine-looking of the three. Because uh, Varla is very... I don't want to say masculine, but... I mean, I guess androgynous is the right word. Like, she's... You know, she's got big boobs, but she's got very hard features... And the very kind of exaggerated eyebrows that they they give her for this, and she stood very uh, man like. Yeah, and like you know the the racing gloves that she wore were very masculine, uh, and even Haji was was really similar in dress and appearance on screen to Varla, uh, but then yeah they pick the 
the most feminine of the three to give like the, I guess the lesbian tendencies to, and I don't know. It felt it was a neat choice from the director when it felt like your obvious choices would be to give it to one of the other two, especially given the stereotypes for that era and, you know, lesbianism and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess at this point we could get a little bit into kind of the story a little bit more uh, for people who haven't seen it and to give them a little bit of a taste. Yeah, as we said, they're kind of like racing hard and um, the setup really for the rest of the entire film and kind of everything that happens from that is, you know, they're out kind of in a big, I don't know that I would call it like, it's not like a sand dune, but I mean, it's like a dirt uh, it's, it's like a dried up like lake bed, basically. Kind of, yeah, yeah, like a salt flat type of environment. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they're just kind of racing around, and, you know, you're seeing that they all have their own kind of issues where they're not all there, but Varla is definitely the most out there and aggressive, and also a little bit disturbed with that laugh. Um, but they come across some other racers who are obviously kind of more the preppy, you know, all-American boy type, and his girlfriend with her little bikini on as well, and, you know, he's racing against a clock, and he's part of a car club, which I'm assuming was kind of a big thing back then. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I'm completely assuming as well here. Yeah, it, it seemed like that would, you know, it wasn't uncommon. They're just like, oh yeah, he's a car club member, you know. But, you know, he he's thinking he's something special uh, and quite fast. So, you know, basically it ends up with um, them kind of intimidating his girlfriend uh, a little bit and him as well and saying, you know, who really cares that you're racing a clock? That doesn't prove anything. Basically, we're women and we're more badass than you are. And... I think it's it's probably the his little girlfriend's female competitiveness. I'm going to throw that out there, actually, because I think females are quite competitive with one another. Um, Say it isn't so. I, I know. It's hard to believe, yeah, right? I know, right? Mind <laughs> equals blown. <laughs> Shocking. We're not catty at all. Um, no comment. <laughs> and uh, we all love each other. So... You know, she's like, well, fine, then we're going to have a race. And um, that just about leads to <laughs> some crashes and death, but it doesn't. And um, after that, they kind of, you know, this girl is portrayed as being quite naive and sweet. And she really doesn't know what she's gotten herself into with these uh, three crazy go-go dancers. And it causes her to kind of scream and get her boyfriend and to come defend her. And um, instead, it ends with Varla murdering her boyfriend. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What did you think about those karate chops and uh, Varla's fighting style? <laughs> that sequence in the movie, the the you know the preppy couple showing up and then leading up to the murder, were really the biggest problem I had with this movie. First, you get the girlfriend. You're essentially going to the desert, right? This is a lake bed that's completely dried up, has been for years, and she's basically breaking out the equivalent of, you know, your tiny polka dot bikini. You know, you, you hear the little song for it. And she has uh, a blanket, right? No sunscreen, no beach umbrella. Like, this for her is a good idea. And, like, <laughs> you see that in me, like, this character's not going to make it. It's the first thing I thought of. It's like, nope, she's done for. Uh and so, you know, you push that aside and you get 
where, you know, the, the women goad him into the race and his kind of male ego is like, well, I can beat all of you in this race. Let's do it. Uh, which he doesn't. And then, of course, it leads to fisticuffs, which was another part I thought was a little hard to buy into, where she was like, uh, basically like, let's make something of it. Like, if you don't if you don't like it, why don't you just hit me? And his first response was to punch her in the face. Like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, this is the 60s at the time. Like, I know that's not forefront of society. Like, yeah, if she talks back to you, smack her across the face. It was like, I felt like that was a pretty big leap for him to make all of a sudden. When at that point in the movie, nothing had happened to them, right? Like, yeah, they had made fun of him, essentially. And his first reaction is to punch this woman in the face. Right, his ego uh, was hurt a little bit, but beyond that... Yeah, uh, but yeah, then we got to the karate chops, and that was the eye-rolling moment. Like, you've got to be shitting me. And again, I tried to put it in context of, like, 60s television and movies, and, like, all I could picture was fucking Adam West as Batman with kapow, zap, (laughs) bam, and it was like, but even that was, like, it's supposed to be comical in that, right? Because it's it's lighthearted. It's like, you know, it's television, family show. And this is not, right? It, it's big screen sexploitation. And I'm, I'm, I'm having an Adam West moment while I watch this. And I'm like, this is clearly not what was intended. Like, I'm taking this the wrong way. But, like, I couldn't move past that. Yes. Well, and, and that's my whole... I think that's what did it for me, too. Because it was kind of disjointed because... Like yeah, I don't I don't think he would have punched her in the face, but um even if he had, I don't think her return move would have naturally been a karate chop. Like that kind of took me a little bit by surprise. Well, I guess like to put it in context for for people who haven't seen older movies, right? So like you're watching Austin Powers for the first time and you know Mike Myers gets into the fist fight and his first response is judo chop and it even felt like she was saying it out loud. Like, and I, there was there was no actual dialogue whatsoever during the scene of the movie. But in my head, every time they give you that sound effect, all I can hear is judo chop. And you see, you know, the hand come down. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I laughed hysterically. And I know they, that's not what they intended for it. But it's one of those things when you watch an older movie, you can watch a scene like that and it can either completely take you out of it or you can find some way to enjoy it. And in defense of the movie, like that's completely enjoyable because it is so kind of asinine in how that it plays out that you can still, yeah, you can still get into it as you watch this and it doesn't take you out of the movie. Exaggerated a bit, but it, I mean, you know that if you watch quite a few older movies, you kind of know that you're in for a little bit of that, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't. And, you know, really, it's just to kind of move that that plot along, I think, as well. Because at that point, then, you know, they've got one dead body and one witness. So, like you said, you called it right when you said that, you know, the girl, she's... (laughs) uh, Well, she made it past then, but, you know, she's definitely in for an adventure. (laughs) Well, I I don't want to break your format here. How early do you get into spoilers as far as late movie? Oh, it's it's um it's fine. We talk spoilers all the time. Okay, so. so so she makes it all the way to the end. Like you know, there are some some bumps and bruises along the way, but yeah. like if you had told me like you know twenty minutes into this movie when I first meet that character, oh no, she'll be fine. Like she's gonna make it until the end. I would have called you a liar. Like no, there's no way that this character makes it to the end of the movie. It's not possible. 
Like, <laughs> she's going to kill herself, if nothing else. Right. Uh, she, she's she's the rabbit in the, you know, <laughs> pack of wolves or something, you know? Yeah, li- literally. Like, whether they're female wolves or male, like, there's not a safe area around this girl. And, like, somehow, like, her little bubble comes out of it. Maybe, maybe that's the whole moral of it. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. no. And I'm not sure there is a moral to take away from this one. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, because, you know, I was going to say, speaking of morality, uh, kind of the next troop of characters we we see, well, obviously, all I could think of is, you know, as they're at the the gas station and they, you know, ask about this older gentleman and his attractive son, which I didn't think he was so attractive, but um, he's just not my type. That's because he didn't have a Kentucky accent, uh, so sorry about his look. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't say much, and when he did, it was kind of like a caveman. Well, they did explain that later, that he's not really able to say much. Uh, I mean, the, the man's name is The Vegetable, uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's got a decent, I guess, body for the time? I guess this is before, like, weightlifting and powerlifting and yeah like all of that you know six packs and all that were really not the norm because it's it's not like you know an average god's gonna have that kind of physique but before they were socially accepted i guess like you didn't have a lot of people going around just lifting weights solely to look pretty yes that wasn't a thing there wasn't as much vanity Uh yeah vanity is a good word yeah um but you know i was thinking yeah, it's never a good thing when you're following someone out into the desert. Like, this isn't going to lead anywhere good. <laughs> Although it could have led to somewhere much worse. Such as? Uh, which thing specifically are you talking about? <laughs> when he's following the girl in the bikini? Uh, we're not quite there yet. Um, okay, yeah, that's why I was going to... I didn't want to... I don't want to get into too far ahead of us. Yeah, so just when they're first... So, you know, they're fueling up, and there's a um, gas attendant who obviously doesn't see that many women like that coming through there. Um, but, yeah, when they find out that the guy... That the old old man is loaded and probably has some money hanging around his place because he doesn't trust banks or women, <laughs> they decide... Let's follow him out to the desert. That sounds like a good plan. It's funny, like, the or women part you added on there, because, you know, they labeled the movie as sexploitation, right? And it almost felt more sexist in that, I guess when I think of sexploitation, I think of the women being kind of in on it, but okay with it. And the gas station scene specifically, you know, you get the, the, the one moment where the attendant is kind of cleaning the windshields, right? Yeah. And staring straight down to, like, Barla's shirt. And he says something about if, uh, or she's looking for something. He's like, well, you're not going to find it down there. Or she says that to him. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, they're very aware that, you know, he's oogling them, I guess. And so it kind of took some of the sexploitation out of it. And then, like, you know, the old man not trusting women. And it just, it kind of came across more as sexist, I thought. That's an interesting take. Because, I mean... It is kind of the mix, because in some ways, I mean, obviously they're go-go dancers, so by profession, which they don't show a lot of in the in the they, film. What did you think of the one go-go dance scene they did show? <laughs> it, it's very early on, and it may be what they open with, right? The opening yeah. scene? Yeah. And it's just, it goes back and forth from the three of them, like go-go dancing. I've never seen go-go dancing in person. 
I have to imagine there's more to it than what we saw in this opening scene. Especially when the dude's yelling, go, baby, go, go. Well, he was sitting on pervert row with his dollar bills. So Sniffers, Sniffers I mean, Row, yeah. I've never heard it called Sniffers Row, Megan. Uh, <laughs> that's that's an, an interesting take on that. Uh, um, I'll never I'll never see those people in the front row the same way again. Yeah, that's what we always called them when I would go there. <laughs> oh, I see. Sniffers Row. You learn something every day, kids, and sometimes <laughs> just comes out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> something you didn't expect, but should have. Yeah. Um <laughs> But, you know, so their their profession I guess would be exploited and obviously the way they're um shot in a very subjective way but but yet they are portrayed to be these very kind of strong badass characters which I guess for me is part of the um, I guess allure of the film maybe in its own way Um, because you know it's like yeah they can be very sexual but also very strong and in control of it at the same time because like you said they're not they're not really exploited in this film. Like, even when, once they are on the ranch, you know, and they're sitting down having lunch, or they're discussing things with the various male characters they encounter on this ranch, which is the old man and his two sons, they're very much like, oh, hey, we're fucking horny, and I'm gonna get some if I want some. They're definitely not um, being exploited in that sense. Like, if they're guilty of anything, it's really, like, poor decision-making. Because, I mean, first of all, they killed a boyfriend, which, unnecessary? You know, over you, you went a little too far with that. But then they take the girlfriend with them. I guess they essentially roofie her for a couple hours. Yeah. And But there's no end game. Like, okay, why have we taken her? Well, so she won't tell the police we killed the boyfriend. And in my mind, and this is going to make me sound like a horrible person, I'm like, well, why didn't you just kill her and leave her there too? Then you don't have to worry about having this gagged up woman in your car right, then they when both. you meet people. Then they both had yeah. a, were in the car accident, and... Yeah, you're already guilty of murder. One doesn't make it better or worse than two, but then you don't have any risks as you're traveling around, uh, which would have eliminated... strange men into the yeah. desert. A lot of the problems that they encountered at the farm were because they had that girl with her. With them, I guess. So, I, I don't want to say it's a practical approach, but, I mean, it's what went through my head at the time. It's like... <laughs> If you don't want to leave witnesses, maybe you shouldn't drug them and put them in your car, is what you're saying? Yeah. Or, yeah, leave her in the desert to fend for herself. You know, nobody's going to believe her after a few days of sunstroke. It's like... That's a valid point I didn't think about as well. Yeah. Because it would have been miles from, from town. There's no way she probably would have made it in that hot summer sun. And the bikini. You know, it's just not practical for doing, you know, a nice bit of desert hiking. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, and then you get, you know, they actually get to the, the farm. They follow the old man and, and the vegetable back from the gas station, which I thought that was more offensive than anything involving the women. Actually referring to this poor dude as the vegetable, when yeah. all he's guilty of is, like, basically being buff. Like, he seemed like a nice enough guy when he did speak. And yeah, I don't know. It was a, I think people interpret this movie the wrong way. And, of course, I've only seen it once. But it, it seems more almost empowering to the women characters, and it, and it kind of puts the men down more than the women, I think. 
Right, because they're in this movie. They're all basically like pedophiles and creepers. Well, um, I mean, I mean, does it? Do we get into pedophile territory? If we did, I missed it. Is what I'm asking. How old are the? Is the youngest girl? I think she's meant to be in her teens. Oh, is she? Yeah, because you know okay. that's why you know, when he's like, "What are you guys doing with that young girl?" But oh, she'd be she'd be tasty. You know, like he's just too super lecherous. <laughs> old man oh no he is without a doubt i guess when i saw the girl i would just assume like early 20s uh i don't know because car club and stuff i guess assumed you'd have to be a certain age to get into it yeah Uh, and he's kind of wearing like the college like letterman jacket or whatever but i I don't know i felt like they meant to say that she was kind of perhaps underage as well just because they're like i mean either way the old man is yeah the old man is skeezy like there's no way around that it's like I, I, know, I, I missed the pedophile thing, which I guess would have made it made him skeezier. Uh, but yeah, he was he was still pretty like like mix your skin crawl a little bit. You're like, oh, dude, no. So, well, and when when Varla was talking to the one more educated one, Kirk, when she does run the second time, and I want to get back to another instance, but um, I'm gonna jump to this because of the point. She's like, well, we better get to her before he does. She's like you know, lecherous, old, whatever, and he's like, oh, you picked up on that too then. So that's where I was kind of thinking. Like, oh, yeah, the son actually says it. Yeah. I said, oh, uh, hmm, how'd, how'd you figure that out? Hmm. Hmm. My dad's just a nice old fella. <laughs> right? A little, a little friendly at times. You know, you know enlists, excited. <laughs> enlists my brother to help rape women, you know, it's kind of what families do. Yeah, you know, I mean, the family that plays together, Stays I, together. I don't... I was going to say it, but then I was like, I don't want to be on record like saying that anywhere. <laughs> Probably good. Yeah, it's just, that's, a, that's a little too creepy. I'm not quite at the old man level yet, so. Uh... No, no. But but I do have to say, so like you said, a lot of, a lot of the drama, of course, well, like I think it is in a lot of movies, is due to poor decision making. Uh such as, you know, leaving the the young girl and Billy to kind of watch her while Billy's trying to get it on with the vegetable. Which, yeah, it kind of bugs me that he doesn't have a name. Oh, God. Like... I just, so many visuals just went through my head. <laughs> uh, Not that kind. Like Billy going to the fridge and pulling out a zucchini. It's, oh, God. Carrots. <laughs> yeah. Um, Carrots? Cucumbers. Oh, I guess cucumber would be the obvious one. Oh, because the carrot town is like so small on one end, but if you know you flip around, you got like you know the stem or whatever. Like that just doesn't seem good. All right, well um, we got we got to move past that for for now. For now, cucumbers it is, kids. <laughs> yes, uh, best choice in your fridge. Um, but um, you know when basically she's just gonna run off and try to you know fuck this guy. And, you know, doesn't see a problem leaving the girl with the creepy old man who's like, oh, yeah, we'll have a conversation. Hmm. I have a shotgun. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> no, you've given me a look. Uh, my listeners I, can't. I, the, the, the shotgun. I'm, I don't know. It's still, like, I'm not sure why that seemed like such a, a casual thing for them. Like, oh, he's got a shotgun. Oh, he's just a harmless old man. It's like... No, that's a that's a lethal weapon, girls. Like I know one of you have a pocket knife, but other than that, 
It's like I don't know if anybody's ever watched The Untouchables with uh, Sean Connery and Kevin Costner, but like you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Like it just doesn't work in your favor. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, well, they wouldn't have uh, had that movie by this point. So that's yeah. But you know, listeners may have may have tuned in. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a great choice anyway. But of course, he tries to make a move on her, uh, as you note, with uh, her him holding on to a piece of the shirt she was wearing. Really important to note, this old man is in a wheelchair. So this is not like a casual, let's go to the movies, I'm going to yawn and put my arm around you. Like, you literally see this coming as he rolls over toward... He can't even roll over toward you. The chair has to be pushed. It doesn't even have wheels he can push. So, I mean, it's literally like a sitting duck, and you go to him... To get molested. That's, that's and what, they do. That's what I was going to say. That's like she slides in cautiously next to him. If you were that creeped out, what? Why yeah, would you cautious sliding goes away from the potential molester, ladies. And if you're curious, if you're ever at a bar and you're wondering which way to lean, the answer is away from, you know, the potential rapist. Right. Duly noted. Um, but, you know. <laughs> When she first runs away, and it's all frantic, though, to me it kind of reminded me of something from, like, the Twilight Zone. Because she's running away, and she's panicking, and ah! She, you know, comes across this gentleman, and starts telling him all about how these three women murdered her boyfriend, and now that, you know, she's just been attacked again, and oh my god, you need to save me, and she's just completely um, in shock and flipping out. And of course he's like, Oh, that's okay. I live around here. You know, yeah, don't worry. I'll help you. And as he and, drives... And at, okay. yeah, at this point, the audience is aware of who this man is because we've seen him in prior scenes with his father and brother. And this is where the little voice in the back of my head is going, Nope, I knew she wasn't going to make it. Nope, this is the end. This is where the bikini checks out of the movie. Like, she just climbs in the truck with him and he drives her back home to Pappy. And it's like, ah, here we go again. Like, it resets, basically. Well, see, my my thoughts, actually, is that, you know, I always, kind of in the back of my head, thought, what if Kirk is really the creepiest of them all because he's the most educated? I mean, they do say it's the quiet ones you have to look out for, right? Right, that's what I'm saying. So in the back of my head, I was kind of, you know, I can remember the first time I'm seeing it and, and going, wait a minute, even the second time, you know, it's like, hmm, maybe you're meant to think it's the, the obvious one, but... Well, I mean, the old man sets the bar pretty high for creepy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what Kurt would have had to been doing behind closed doors to kind of jump above the old man, but I may have been some kinky shit. Mm. Yeah, he would have had to have maybe had the women right before they buried the women. That would have been... Oh, Megan. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> just, wow. We, just... we just jumped from pedophilia to necrophilia and... About seven and a half minutes. So. Yeah, sorry. Sometimes I get a little, you know, excited and things happen. That's okay. Well, we still haven't made it to CBT, so we're in the clear. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we know as an audience who it, who this man is, but she has no clue. So, you know, he pulls into the driveway and she freaks out. And he's like, don't you understand? I live here. This is my family. And to me, that was the creepiest fucking thing it felt like something that should be in like the hills have eyes 
like you know they get away and you drive them back oh this is my family no and it cuts to black and then there's a sequel it's like you know. <laughs> right exactly you know but then they sit down and have a meal together with lots of sexual innuendos about uh, breasts and thighs and uh, women being more than one man could handle, you know, but um, kind of all the issues come out and without being direct about it, I think, you know, a lot of the cards are laid on the table and it's kind of like, yeah, we're all horrible fucking people, basically, except for this girl. Yeah, I don't know. She just was, it felt like a, a lose-lose situation, I guess. And I mean, not to jump ahead, but you know, and she does, she makes it out of this somehow. It's like they throw you in a snake pit and the snakes basically fight over who gets you and forget that you're there basically. And that's the only, she's not there because she made any smart choices. She's just there because everybody else made worse choices. Right. Yeah. It was just luck. And like you said, them being more, you know, basically it's like, Oh, there's a young girl here. Either she's going to get murdered by these women or she's going to get raped by the pedophile. Which one is it going to be? And yeah, I mean, that's the awful premise of the whole ordeal. But then, I'll escape last time she was left with Billy. So what do you think you should do maybe um, at this point in the film? Maybe you leave, know, leave her with Billy again? Or you know, at least tie her back up. Like everybody is in on this at this point. She's escaped once, they brought her back. You know she's a captive. Like, just tie her back up. It's 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 news at this point, right? It's like it's not like you're hiding a secret or you're trying to be subtle. Uh, and then you don't have to worry about her running away again. Right. Or, you know, bury her in the desert already and be done with it. Well, that would have been step number one in, in Shane's playbook. But uh, apparently I'm, just, I'm not up to, to speed, so to speak, on my desert drag racing decorum. So I'll have to work on that. Well, now you know better after seeing this film. Yeah, I mean, this film does teach you a number of things that you've probably never thought about before. Uh, you know, like how to take a nice bath at the at the water tower. No, I probably would have just gone to the bathtub. But this is cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you're having a hot day in the desert. You know, take advantage of the hospitality of rapists and creepy dudes. I mean, they're nothing if not his spot or hospitable, you know, up up until the rape, and then it's really just a matter of opinion. So, <laughs> oh, I, I wish we could like have a screen cap of your face right there. Oh, like that could be like the uh, the tag for the episode. That, I mean, my my jaw just uh, dropped. <laughs> my mouth was wide open uh, at that point. In, in my mind, it, it was very similar to Megan's O-Face. Uh, so, you know, it was just kind of that. It could be both. Yeah, you know, half of one, six a dozen of the other. Or half of, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. There we go. That came out right the second time. We're good. We'll, we'll get it, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, at this point, obviously the girl escapes again. And at this point, it is basically whoever gets to her first. You know, she's going to get raped. Well, or, or so you think. Uh, because kidding. I guess yeah. Then you know, fast forward a couple minutes. Which an, another interesting thing about this movie, and and I kind of disliked it at first, and that this is only like an eighty-minute movie. Like it's a pretty short movie compared to you know your three-minute Harry Potter epics of today. Uh, but the first what sixty-five, seventy minutes of this yeah. is 
pretty slow as far as the pacing goes until the second escape. And then it's just kind of like the shit hits the fan. All and the, the last minute 10 period. minutes yeah. is, yeah, just frantic pacing with everybody trying to catch this girl and like the violence that kind of erupts as a, as a result. Yeah. <laughs> All I put is more karate chops and fight scenes. Uh, there's some karate chops. There's some knife throwing. There's the, and I know this isn't what happened, but it felt like the moment where like the gay man is getting ready to have sex with his girlfriend and comes out of the closet like, I can't. It's just not in me. And But this is the vegetable, like, not being able to rape a girl. Like, he has his, his moment of clarity where it's just too much for him to handle. Right. There's some humanity to it. Only a slight bit. I mean, I mean, he doesn't rape her, so that's a good thing. Yes. Uh, so, you know, a slight bit of humanity is better than none. Oh, definitely. But, like, the creep... This may be the creepiest scene in the movie for me, is as the vegetable's having this, I don't want to call it a nice moment, but a, a less than evil moment, we'll call it, where he's decided he's not going to rape this girl and, you know, he wants to be, I guess, a better person. But while this is happening, it keeps going from that scene to the old man crawling across the desert to get to her, laying on the ground. Yeah, And it was just so fucking creepy. Like, to see him basically just, like, crawling towards her for, like, one sole purpose. Like, just just hold her vegetable until I can get there. It was just like, oh. <laughs> Well, that's when the full creep came out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you never go full creep, kids. You never go full creep. You don't come back from full creep. But, yeah, I think that was the most disturbing sequence for me. Right. Well, and <laughs> the other thing that for me seemed a little bit off was then you know obviously Varla and Kirk get there um as well and a, it was kind of creepy the way Varla just laughed her creepy hysterical laugh and was just like this is a fucking joke but then you know when Kirk goes to leave and his dad just like yeah I hid the keys it's like bitch he's only like 10 feet from the jeep he obviously couldn't have went too far fucking look around instead he you know he had him hidden in his hand the whole time you know, you never went to look there. That's like the equivalent of, like, the creepy uncle that hides candy in his hands. Like, oh, but can you find the candy? It's like, damn it, I told you not to go around Uncle Timmy. It's like, you know, it's like, just don't. Just don't look for it. It's like... <laughs> so, I mean, like we said, we've, we've pretty much taken it to the end, which, yeah, the ultimate climax of the film is then... You know, basically all that's left is Varla, Kirk, and did you say the Linda? Is that? Oh uh, yeah, Linda is the the girlfriend in the bikini. Okay, so they're kind of the only ones left after this string of mass murder. Murders? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's really guilty at this point. <laughs> Pretty much, except for Kirk. Yeah, if you haven't killed somebody, you're probably an accessory. That's true. I was gonna say I, I don't think Kirk did, but he was well aware of what was going on on that farm. Kirk's an accessory to a lot of different things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the most guilty of all the characters that doesn't actually do anything. Because he knew what was going on. It's yeah. like the vegetable didn't really know better, which is kind of a cop-out thing to say, but the way they make this character out, for all intents and purposes, like he's not capable of forming his own thoughts. And right. so 
Kirk, who is like an actual educated person and this who reads $50 books. Yeah. Which for 1950s, like what the hell was he reading? (laughs) Right. But yeah. And he just, he just kind of goes along with it. Not only goes along with it, like brings them back to the house when he could just be like, you should run away from here. Right. I know what my dad and brother are capable of. I'm going to drive you back to their house. Yeah. Well, you have some corn on the cob first. It'll be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, and and yeah, the end of it, um, Linda actually somehow makes it through this whole fucking movie alive. Yeah, that, that blew my mind. Like, I guess if their goal is to surprise you at the end, they got me. Because I thought she was, like, dead from the get-go. And now it will not surprise any of you listening, uh, but <laughs> you you guys know that we have spoilers on the show. Yeah, and, and then Kirk. But it kind of left me, I don't know, I felt like I, I wanted to know then what happened with her and Kirk. Oh, like where they drove off to? Yeah. Maybe because I, I, mean, I want to know if my creepy suspicions are true about, like, maybe he's the mastermind behind everything. Yeah, like, I, I didn't want to play devil's advocate, but, I mean, Kirk probably just took her to the other bodies, and after some amount of time, uh, went back to the house by himself. With the money. Yeah, because, I mean, he didn't need the old man. I mean, that was, you know, not to bring back sloppy seconds or anything, but I'm sure the old man uh, wanted to be first, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah, Kirk just kind of eliminated the middleman, I guess, in this enterprise they had going on. Very true, very true. So, um, yeah, I guess with that, uh, obviously I could share my thoughts on the film, but um, being that it was your first time, I'm kind of interested what you thought about Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Uh, I actually, I mean, given, you know, you have to put it in context here, it's a 1960s film. Uh, and I actually in- enjoyed it from that perspective. Like, I, I thought it was shot extremely well. My My biggest issues were the karate chops, I like those they lost me like i i laughed hysterically every time it happened i think it was only two scenes uh when she's fighting the boyfriend in the beginning and then when she's fighting kirk at the end you get some karate chops uh it's just ridiculous the the sound effect that they use is terrible uh and that was my biggest issue and then just i guess the lack of practicality when they're like okay we're gonna take this girlfriend with us like it just I can't fathom the discussion that that was the best they could come up with like okay let's let's tie her up and gag her and she can come with us right like when they're like we've got to do something we've got to do something fast maybe drugging her and putting her in your car wasn't the fastest quickest method of doing something yeah I mean if you just drug her and leave her laying where she's at she's going to be so disoriented when she wakes up in what was it four hours or something yeah uh, it's like she's not going to remember what happened that well, and then she's got to get somewhere before she can even tell somebody. And she'd probably be all dehydrated from the drugs. And yeah. What kind of cars were they driving? Fast ones? I don't know. You know? It's... I mean, yeah, if she could lead them back to the body, but, I mean, she can't identify anybody. She doesn't know cars, and it just it seemed impractical to take her with them. And that, of course led to all the other problems but when they heard that news at the gas station they were going to follow that old man regardless so you could have still had everything else play out like it did just without that girl right yeah they used her obviously to try to move the plot along 
Yeah, she was like a, a pretty big, I guess, plot device. Yeah. Yeah, like as far as her escaping and I'm trying to catch her and all that kind of stuff. And the conflict but I feel like, between you know, the two baddies. Yeah. Two yeah, like if you had had, uh, I don't know, like, you know, the vegetable try and take advantage of Billy, like that would have worked just as well as far as giving a reason for maybe Billy to run away. And then, you know, the girls want to go after her and the guys want to go after her, you know, for different reasons, obviously. But... Yeah, but then it would have kept the the old man being such a central character and creeper wouldn't have come into play. I mean, you would have been like, yeah, it's kind of creepy, but they're go-go dancers. Like, there's old men that go to strip clubs and whatever. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, they had it coming. And I was like, oh, no, Megan, don't say that. I was like... Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. Nobody has that coming, ever. Oh, no, I agree, but it's, it's the way you started that phrase. Well, you know, they're go-go dancers. And I was like, oh, oh where's this going? Like, oh, no. Not there, not there. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, and I think I think it is their strong characters that gets me. Like, yeah, Billy kind of annoys the fuck out of me, to be honest, but she's supposed to. I think what what always gets me about this movie and why, why I enjoy it, I think, is the fact that, yeah, these women are... Well, they're definitely not good people, but they're portrayed differently, I guess. The things that they do are horrible, but it's kind of portrayed like, oh yeah, they're they're badass, kind of like in a James Dean kind of way. <laughs> I, I kind of felt bad for the Rosie character a little bit. And it was like, you know, you have the scene in the beginning where Varla kills the boyfriend, and she's like, well, you all are accessories. And I guess technically the... I don't even know if they were accessories at the time. They were witnesses, but they didn't help to facilitate it. Uh, and they kind of get roped in in that regards. And then they become accessories to kidnapping. Uh, and then you yes. get to the scene where Rosie's actually the one that carries the knife. And Varla's like, give it to me. Give it to me now as Billy is running away. And you know what's going to happen when she gives her the knife. Oh, and like yeah. that was the moment where like you kind of you lose sympathy for the character. But up to that point, she was just kind of wrong place, wrong time. Like, she hadn't really done anything personally. No, and she always had the suggestions, like, why do we still have this bitch? Like, yeah. we should have lost her a long time ago and just killed her back there. You know, she was kind of the yeah, brain. So if there is, like, a sympathetic figure, it's probably her. But, yeah, they all just make horrible choices. Yeah. No, agreed. And, uh, <laughs> speaking of horrible choices, maybe we should, uh, move on to the second half. You know, Varla, she had her karate chop, but uh, for the second half, we're going to talk about our sexual signature moves. So, uh, <laughs> you ready for this one? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we basically asked listeners as well. We'll get to that. But um, before we do, uh, what would you say that your signature sexual moves are? Okay, so I went with two, right? Because I didn't know if we were going with, like, the actual move or, like, hypothetical what we would want the move to be, right? Uh, now, the first one, like, we're going to go with the actual move here. And I tried to keep it, like, thematic to, like, movies. Okay. Because, you know, I do a movie podcast, you do a movie podcast. 
and and my finishing move is I would like to call it the Jonah Hill. And you know, I, I know you're a little curious right now, right? Yeah. But it's like it's like when Jonah Hill is cast in a movie. At first, you know, you're a little confused and you're like, really? That that's what he's going with? But like every now and then you get like Moneyball or The Wolf of Wall Street, you know, like, oh wow, that really worked for me. Like that was surprisingly good. And you know, and even when it doesn't work, you know, you still get a laugh out of it. And there are worse things to do than to make a girl laugh, right? Oh, it's the best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, I'm gonna go with the Jonah Hill. Like, you know, when it works, like it really, it really wows you. And if it doesn't, you still get a little chuckle. <laughs> uh, now, now, yeah, yeah. I mean, a little humor goes a long way. And now, hypothetical, it would be the Gnomish tricycle. And that sounds painful. <laughs> no offense. And you no, do no, know no, I'm it... afraid of garden gnomes, right? Like... I did not know this. <laughs> uh, this is wasn't so much like garden gnomes as like, okay, I'm going to out myself as a bigger nerd than I already have. Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? I know of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, so you can play as like different races, elves, dwarfs, gnomes, you know, so on and so forth. You could do that and, in EQ too, yeah. Yeah, and so, it, yeah, you know, any MMO game, whatever, just everybody knows the races. And this came up in a session of D&D, Mike and I were playing with some friends. And it was like a casino, and they're like, well, what all can we do here? And it's like, you know, and we listed like, you know, games you could play on the first floor, and it was very casual stuff. It's like, or, you know, the basement, there's the Gnomish Tricycle. And we never explained what it was, and everybody just assumed it was like the filthiest thing that you could do in this world was like have a Gnomish Tricycle. And, and it was like, yeah, so hypothetically, like that would totally be my move. Now, I was trying to figure out for the purposes of this podcast, what would the Gnomish Tricycle involve? And, like, I think I would have to be, like, the actual bike, right? And then, like, I would need a little person to be each of the wheels, and you just have to figure out how we're connected. And that, that would be the Gnomish Tricycle. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm six foot four, and I, I'm pretty bendy. It's like, yeah, I could totally be, like, a bike frame and, you know, just connect the little people. <laughs> See, that, may- <laughs> that makes me think of, like, sex toys and things and you could either be like a gnomish tinker or like a dwarvish toolkit if you had a lot of sex toys hey there'd be some some tinkering and some tools going on so you covered all the bases right (laughs) see now you've tweaked the geek interest in me and you know sorry guys hope that that gets you as well but um But yeah, see, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I think um, one of mine would be, well, for those of you who haven't seen a photo of me, um, I'd say I'm fairly well endowed. But I think the one move that I can think of would be the titty blowjob. It's a solid choice. Yeah. Oh no, it's it, I guess never been I guess my cup of tea like compared to like a regular one. Like, mm, it's it's a nice novelty act. But, uh, no, let's just go back to the, the original version. <laughs> but you can have it, you know, surrounded well in the mouth at the same time. Yeah, I'm, I don't think I've dated one, anyone that bendy before, <laughs> Megan. Okay. <laughs> so... You might have to show us how you do that. <laughs> this is an audio podcast. Um... I'm, I've got video. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everyone else can fuck off, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> So, so yeah, I guess uh, with that, we could probably get on to the uh, listener answers. And um, I'm going to start with Steve, who said his signature move is the letdown. Yeah. 
I'm noticing, like, I'm looking at the list that we've got in front of us here, and, like, it's a lot of, like, uh, kind of self-deprecating answers. Like, uh, it, it makes me a little sad for, for the ones that submitted it. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe it's the whole reverse psychology thing, right? So if you don't set the bar very high... Yeah, like, you can you can kind of come out on top, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, uh, uh, Tommy Royal submitted the next one. And his was a little more confusing, I guess. Uh, he calls it the curtain cum wipe. And I guess the only thing I can think of is like, you know, like when you, you pull out in a hurry and like it just kind of goes with random direction. Like, I'm, like, I don't know, maybe he's cleaning off his curtains afterwards. Like, I can't think that's strict. It's like not on purpose. Like, that just seems like some extra work for you to do if you have to clean your curtains up afterwards. But, you know, maybe <laughs> See, if thinking, you're in a hurry. You know, I... like, you know, you pull out, right? You're a little bit messy, and you don't have a towel, so you wipe it on the curtain. Yeah, I guess you still gotta clean the curtains, though, I would hope. <laughs> I would hope uh, as well, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's thinking she has to clean the curtains, so he doesn't really give a shit. Oh, that opens up a whole new window, like, if, if there's curtains, I guess. Because uh, some curtains are bigger than others. Uh, <laughs> wow. We're, that just sounds like, you know, go, kind of going down into the rabbit hole, so maybe. Oh, yeah, definitely in a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and number three, <laughs> we have Charlie, who said Stone Cold Bummer. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's another one of the sad ones. It's I think... Like... I think he likes wrestling. Maybe he's like, ah, you know, because bumming someone, I'm guessing he could be uh, British. Maybe that would mean a little something different. Oh, than, say, yeah, American. that could be different. Like maybe an ice cube and, and something, see where that goes. I don't know. Be a, it'd be a little bit like the angry penguin, I guess, for like a, a finisher. <laughs> oh, no. Do you know what the angry penguin is, Megan? I'm in, I'm intrigued. Gone. Okay, so, and this is just compliments of Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, like, you know, you're having sex doggy style, and she's not expecting it. So you, you stick an ice cube in her butt, and, yeah, that's the angry penguin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. See, my one of my favorite terms, and we actually covered this on, uh, I believe, episode six of the show, when we did Urban Dictionary sex terms, is uh, the angry pirate. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I, I think what, I what is your take on the angry dragon? You know what that one is. Please tell me you know what that one is, because I'm not sure I want to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> it it rings a bell, and I'm pretty sure it's been... I, I think I know what that is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and you get some karate chops if that if that brings it full circle for you. <laughs> <laughs> that that would bring it full yeah. circle. <laughs> I don't know. I that mean, that's, be that's how people get killed. Let, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, no. I, that, I, that's how boyfriends, if you're listening... Don't try that at home, it's ever. Just, it's, it's a horrible idea. It's just an Urban Dictionary sex yeah. term, people. It's not a thing, people. No. This is what happens when you're stoned and you're thinking of stuff to put on the internet. <laughs> uh, but uh, at Pittsburgh Nerd uh, chimed in with the, I'm sorry, I'll try harder next time. Which, uh, I'm, I'm noticing a trend here. Uh, Sometimes that won't it, get you a next time, though. Yeah, you better try as hard as you can the first time if you want there to be a next time. <laughs> That's my point, yeah. yeah. You don't have to bring your A game, but you better get a passing grade. Right. You know, maybe if you've been in the relationship a while, maybe you've been drinking all night, sure, maybe every once in a while you could pull out, I'm sorry, I'll, you know, 
Yeah, once you put a ring on it, you can take a night off, fellas. Uh, until then, you uh, better better come to party. Oh, is that how it works? Oh, okay. You know, sometimes you just need some me time, okay? Not tonight, honey. I've got a headache. <laughs> Go over, look at porn. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a little counterproductive because if you say you have a headache and then you get caught looking at porn, that's going to lead down a whole another rabbit hole that you you got some splaining to do. It's going to be way worse than that headache you didn't have. Yeah, you'll have one after that, I promise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, oh, I kind of like this one. At, at Drinks with Josh says, the pie eating contest. I like this one too. I'm on, I'm on board with Josh here. Well, well, not with Josh, but you know, whatever Josh is talking about. Yeah, that that sounds like a, a move I could get into. But be be worried, kids. This isn't. You can't just do this a little bit. It's, it's kind of like blowjobs, right? Like you can't just you know lick the tip and say you gave him a blowjob. It doesn't count. It's not a blowjob. Agreed. Uh, much like pie eating contests. If you don't come up looking like you've just eaten a glazed donut, you're doing it wrong. Uh, so go back. <laughs> <laughs> this has been <laughs> your weekly tip. <laughs> yes. From Screams and Moans. It's, uh, <laughs> just a little advice from me to you. Uh, don't say I never gave you anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, who do we have last, then? Uh, last is Steven. And... I think I see where he's going with this. Uh, his is a twofold move, so I guess you'd call it a combo. Uh, so he likes to start off for that. Uh, only in Street Fighter, Megan. Uh, I don't think it counts in the bedroom. Oh, okay. But uh, Stephen likes to start off with uh, juvenile enthusiasm, which uh, I guess is just like what over the sweater boob touching. I'm, I'm not sure what. I, I don't recall my juvenile enthusiasm. See, I think you know eagerly, eagerly just digging in there. Is kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Going for and uh, he likes to follow it up with some crushing disappointment. Uh, and and then really, I'll be honest. The only thing I can now picture is, and no offense to Stephen, being a bit of an overweight gentleman uh, whose arms give out on him, and you know, oh, no. he just he just falls on top of you, and it's sad for everyone involved. Uh, don't know Stephen personally, so that's a pure assumption. But it's uh, I'm gonna I, I, laugh a little bit after this is over with at Stephen's expense. Yeah. <laughs> well, and of course I'm laughing because I actually do know uh, Stephen and have met him. So. I apologize, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, not exactly not hearing it and not having that imagery, but. Um, She'll yeah. never look at you the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, I'll just keep the juvenile enthusiasm in my mind, you know? Yeah. Look at look at the positive. Yeah. positive. Hey, second base is still getting on base, Steve. Good for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, with that, as always, I'd like to thank all of my listeners for their contributions to the show. And um, for next episode, it's actually going to be a little bit different, because instead of asking you to answer... A specific question. I'm actually going to play a game with my host next month, and it's going to be a sexual game of Would You Rather. So what I need from my listeners for next episode is your ideas for good questions 
in a sexual game of Would You Rather. So okay, Megan. I think I think we should end this podcast with a quick game of it, <laughs> and, and I'll ask you the question, and you and you can answer for your your listening audience. Okay, we we will do that. We are going to end okay. the show on that note, yeah. and um, you know, you guys can follow suit with your own Would You Rather questions, and uh, you can send those to the show at screamsandmoans at gmail dot com, or you can also tweet them at screams and moans all right so if my listeners uh would like to get in touch with you online or have a listen to uh some war machine versus warhorse um where's the best place for them to get in touch with you the best place would be on twitter and that is just at war machine horse all one word no underscores or spaces or anything crazy like that and we reply to literally every tweet that we get uh you know, and there are links on our Twitter to Facebook and Instagram and things like that. But that, that is the most frequented and reliable source. It's also where I met you guys. Yeah. It is indeed, and she's been sorry ever since. <laughs> I, I've, I was going to say I've come on you twice, but um, I've come on the show twice. <laughs> hey, you know, whatever works for you, Megan. We like to think that we bring a different kind of enjoyment to all of our listeners. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And if you're a male and have great hair, these are your guys as well. Yeah, then you're probably not welcome because we're jealous bitches and we don't want to be associated. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, and um, as always, if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can do that at Screams and Moans on Twitter. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is just the address slash Screams and Moans. So uh, with that, it's time for... A little game of would you rather okay megan would you rather the old man or varla that ends in a karate chop oh man <laughs> i think i'd go with varla yeah i think you're right I, I, I wouldn't want anything to do with the old man whether or not i had a memory of it <laughs> at least varla you get some like boobs in the face first and then the karate chop and that's a trot and true favorite. It never gets old. <laughs> you know, exactly. But <laughs> but I like I, I like the tie in there. So uh, <laughs> with that, uh, everybody have a good night. Mm-hmm.